everybody. Thank you for tuning in to episode 65 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from pornography addiction and compulsive sexual behavior. If you or anybody that you know is struggling with pornography addiction, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com. There you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. Uh, please don't forget to stop by tonyoverbay.com and sign up to find out more about some exciting new programs and classes, all kinds of things, virtual things, webinar things that are, uh, that are coming soon on couples communication and on parenting, on anger management, you name it. Go sign up at tonyoverbay.com and we are on Twitter at couchvirtual. All one word, not to be confused with virtual couch, which is the Instagram account name. So you can either go couch virtual on Twitter or virtual couch on Instagram. Okay, so story time on the virtual couch. One of the first things that I read in trying to at least have a shot at creating a semi um, listened to regularly, I'm trying to avoid the imposter syndrome word of successful, but uh, let's just go for that for right now. Successful podcast was consistency to consistently put out content. So if you remember at the very beginning, or if anyone was listening at the very beginning, I was putting out a couple episodes a week, and then I decided I need to back this down to one a week just to be safe. There have been times where I've had some episodes in the bank. I've, I've released bonus episodes, but my goal is to get an episode out every Monday morning. Well, uh, long story short, some computer problems. Uh, fell upon me, descended upon me. If I'm using narrative therapy, um, I didn't have, I, I'm not racked with all of these problems. These computer problems descended upon me and caused me to have some frustration as I separated my uh, thoughts and emotions from the, the situation. But boy, I had a lot of emotions and a lot of frustration over the last probably 24 hours in trying to get some things resolved with my computer. But they are resolved. The only problem is I'm about to start doing therapy for the day, but I wanted to record an episode and there were a couple of things that I've, I've written down that I've wanted to just touch on that I was going to throw into a Q&A episode, but I thought I would hit one of those today and we'll make this just kind of really brief. Although, as I mentioned story time, I did, I was in a wedding over the weekend, not in a wedding, I attended a wedding out of state over the weekend and I ran into somebody that I worked with over 25 years ago when I was even in the very beginning stages of working in the computer industry, right after I got out of college. Well, before I uh, decided to chase my dream of becoming a therapist, but I worked for a computer software company, a very small computer software company, and I ran into a guy that had done tech support with us for about a year. Uh, great, great guy. And it reminded me of one of, uh, he had, his kids were there, one of his kids had graduated high school and was becoming a, a pilot. I mean, it was, it was really impressive. But I run into this old friend of mine, and I'm telling some stories about his dad, and one of them that I told, his dad did actually not fall for, he did not fall for this, but one of the things that I thought was so fun, my, my buddy Jim and I, uh, not Jim and I, but Jim and I, um, we had been there a little while, a year or two, and we would get these new tech support guys. And, and this is back in the days before, honest to goodness, before the internet, which was wild. So um, I don't want to sound like that old man, right? You know, back when there was a 2400 baud modem or even a 1200 baud modem and you'd have to dial up and you would hear that weird noise. But I mean, we're talking even before that and people would actually call on the phone when they wanted tech support for a product. And we had a very 
Um, it was a very techy product. It was actually for for those of you uh, geeks that might be listening. It was it was device driver software. So it was software that was so low level that it just made things work, made hard drives work, made CD-ROMs drive work, that sort of thing. So we've got a guy doing some tech support, and Jim and I had this thing that we did uh, once, just kind of uh, spur of the moment, and then we did it with any new tech support guy, and it just cracked us up. But the guy would finish a call, and Jim and I would just be kind of standing around. We'd, we'd hear him finish the call. And I just looked at this guy and I said, hey, uh, Jason, did you just tell that guy you love him? And he, and he was like, no. And then Jim, Jim chimes in just you know, very natural in the acting role of his life. No, I, I think I heard it too. I mean, I think you said you love him. And I think that, uh, you know, this Jason was maybe a newlywed at the time. And so we were saying, no, it, it's cool, Jason. I mean, you know, you're probably used to telling your wife that you love her. But, um, man, I don't know if that would make that guy feel weird or not when you hang up with a guy doing tech support if you tell him that you love him. And then Jim saying, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that sounds like. So anyway, long story. Again, here we go again. Long story short. Uh, Jason ended up calling the guy back and he said, hey, did I did I tell you that I love you? And then <laughs> so then you got to love that. A guy's getting a call back from a guy in tech support. And the guy's saying, Hey, did I mention that I love you? So, uh, but we had tried this with this other, this guy that I ran into over the weekend and it didn't work. So, uh, here's a little brief episode here. The first part of this is I've, I've come across a quote that I ran into a long time ago and then it was passed around. I saw it in some social media settings over the last couple of weeks. And it says the quote is, your commitment must be bigger than your feelings. And I remember just the first time I heard that and I just fell in love with that, that your commitment must be bigger than your feelings. What does that mean? That if you, if you set a goal and your goal, um, at the time when we set goals, we're really excited about them. If we're going to run a marathon, if we're going to lose weight, if we're going to do, uh, write the great American novel, when we, when we are feeling that moment of commitment, when we, when we think, okay, this is what I want to do. I've thought about this for a long time. At that point, our commitment to do the thing is far bigger than our feelings because we're not thinking about our feeling of not wanting to do it, of our feeling of being tired when we wake up before we go on a run, or our feeling of um, feeling like we need to do th- other things rather than write, or our feeling of, I really want that donut instead of that, uh, oh, one of the bars I have here today that kind of tastes a little bit like cardboard, blueberry flavored cardboard, but cardboard nonetheless. So when our, when our, we need to get to the point where our commitment to do the act is bigger than our feelings. I often think about when, as I started, uh, you know, I, I announced in the opening ultra marathon runner and on my bio and that sort of thing, I've, I've run 150 or 200 uh, marathons or ultra marathons um, over the last 20 years. But I still remember when the 5K was a big deal or the 10K was a big deal. I remember my first half marathon. I very, very vividly remember my first um, full marathon, my first 50K, my first 50 miler, my first 100 miler. And each one of those was because it was only able, I was only able to do that because my commitment to the goal became bigger than my feelings. Um, sure. I mean, almost every morning I would get up and not necessarily want to do the training for quite a while, but my commitment toward that goal was bigger than that feeling of being tired. Now, over time, because of course you're, you were all going to feel like not doing something. Um, that's part of, if you've listened to some of the previous podcasts that I've done, when we don't want to do something, um, that's, that's kind of normal. That's that feeling of discomfort. And our, our brains, unfortunately, grow to the point where they don't like to be not comfortable. Our brains want to be comfortable. And thus, when we have, when we want to do something like diet or we want to do exercise and our brains are telling us, I'd rather not, our brain is wanting to go oftentimes to the easier path. And unfortunately, sometimes that easier path does, does head down the path of addiction. And so once that becomes the habit, once that becomes where our brain goes to, whenever we even start to feel uncomfortable, 
then then you can see how easily it is to fall into patterns of addiction. So this is actually something that is very important to do is to embrace that feeling of not wanting to do something. Embracing that feeling when our when our commitment is not bigger than our feelings, but still going forward with the commitment until that becomes more of this pattern, uh, more of a habit. Over time, your habits will overcome your feelings. And I think about that often to the point now where uh, my morning running routine has just been just that, a routine for so long. I'm like a little kid laying out all my running clothes the night before, I'm kind of giddy to get up in the morning and exercise. So while while we're on this topic about your commitment must be bigger than your feelings or, or kind of this topic of, I don't know whether we call it discipline or commitment, I thought I could also um, put another part of this together of something that I've wanted to talk about for a while. And that is a little bit of this concept of self-discipline. And then I'm going to also break into a, it's called solution-focused therapy. And I'm going to give you a little bit about something that I used to use all the time called the miracle question. So first, let me let me reference uh, University of Pennsylvania, Angela Duckworth and Martin Seligman did some research. Uh, it was quite a while ago, over a decade ago. They performed this study on two groups of adolescents, and they were trying to measure self-discipline in the students. And the results came from they were self-reporting, their parents were reporting, their teachers were given reports, and they, were, they also filled out some questionnaires. And this was all given in the fall semester for these adolescents. And the results on these studies in the student self-discipline accurately predicted their final grades, they predicted their class attendance, their standardized test scores, and even their selection into competitive high school programs the following spring. So um, they did a second round of questions and this was on study habits, and then they also added in IQ, what they had been tested on with IQ, and the results were pretty overwhelming, and they've been um, referenced in a lot of other studies since. So here's what the takeaway was. Self-discipline accounted for more than twice as much of an impact as IQ did in grades and test scores and school selection and school attendance and hours spent doing homework, hours spent watching TV, um, all of those. In short, the school performance had far more to do with self-discipline than the student's IQ. So I thought that was pretty fascinating. So if we can cultivate these patterns of self-discipline, that goes a lot longer than or goes much further than our IQ. And a lot of times I almost I hear clients say that where they, they feel like sometimes they say, I'm smart enough that I know that I need to diet or I know that I need to exercise. So, you know, what's going on there? And this I, I mentioned this study because this is one where it kind of talks about, and granted, it's with adolescents, but I think it's been played through with adults over the years. But our the soft skill of self-discipline goes a lot longer than our IQ, to the point where sometimes I feel like IQ can almost get in the way, because that's when we're, we start to beat ourselves up about, I know better. And, it, and it's like, why can some people just say, okay, I'm going to do something, and then they start to do it. That's that self-discipline. So at times, I feel like our IQ can get in the way. So um, it, is, it is important to just start with the habit. Start doing, start embracing the commitment more than your feelings. All right, so let me just talk a little bit about brief solution-focused therapy. I think this will be a lot of fun, and then I'll end this one early today. Um, this was when I first went to work as a therapist. I worked at a uh, at a nonprofit at an agency, and we were we were taught this a lot. And part of it is because this is uh, it's called solution-focused therapy, but also a lot of times it's it's also called brief solution-focused therapy. And so solution-focused or brief solution-focused is typically a type of therapy where a client comes in, they present the problem, and then you you do this, you ask this question, and then you set up a plan of. At the agency I used to work with, we were trying to work from six to eight sessions or or less of working toward this goal 
um, that that comes from using this thing called the miracle question. And then we that way we had a we could kind of check in how close are we to the goal? Hey, remember, we're wrapping it up on this sort of date. And so you're really just working within these really, really short time constraints to get things done. Uh, the only and it's not a negative. What is different about this type of approach is you really don't look a lot at the past. Let me explain. So here here's the miracle question. So the way that solution-focused therapy works is, and oftentimes it's in the initial assessment, but you would say, you know, you hear a little bit about the client, do a little bit of a brief assessment, and then you say something like this. There's a lot of different versions of the miracle question, but suppose you woke up one morning and by some miracle, everything that you ever wanted, everything good you could ever have imagined for yourself had actually happened. Your life had turned out exactly the way that you wanted it. So you would kind of have the client think about that a little bit, and, and it's not a bad idea. I don't want you to kind of think about that right now. Suppose you wake up, and by some miracle, everything you wanted, everything good, everything that you could ever imagine for yourself had happened. Your life had turned out exactly the way you wanted it. So what would you notice around you to let you know that the miracle had happened? And a lot of times, I remember uh, early on, some people would say, well, I'm, I'm looking out and I'm seeing the ocean. So, all right, kind of jotting down, all right, this person had a dream if they wanted to live live on the coast or live by the water. Um, so, yeah, what will you see or what will you hear? And, you know, sometimes I, I get people that will say, I hear nothing. I hear complete silence because, you know, uh, the kids are outside playing or my husband's at work or that sort of thing. And we can kind of work with that, too. Right. So what do you see? What will you what will you hear? What will you feel inside yourself? Um, and how would you be different? So those are some of the key things that, and you maybe can see where we're going here, but a lot of this is, okay, if those are the things that you you always wanted, if those are the things that are part of this miracle when you wake up and those things are in your life, then how do we work toward those things now? How do we not look at those things and say, yeah, now I don't have those things? How do we start to say, okay, if that is important, um, how do we start to work toward whether it's living by the ocean, whether it's having a more peaceful home? Um, feeling about the feeling inside of yourself. What would that feel like? Is that to feel more fulfilled, to feel like you, you chased after your dreams, to feel like you embrace your passions, to feel like you have a voice in your marriage, to feel like you are a better parent? Because if any of those are part of this miracle question when you wake up, then guess what? Let's start working toward them. Your life is, is, you know, you've got a finite amount of time here on this planet. So, uh, so let's kind of work toward, toward, Let's, let's, let's get to this, these points of the miracle question and make them happen. So the essence of solution-focused therapy or brief solution-focused therapy is that the client is the expert and the client's goals are what's important. And that's what I love about this. I, you know, I've said before in here, um, I'm, I'm definitely not a therapist that's going to tell you what you should do. I'm not going to shoot on you. I want you to tell me what, what are your goals? So brief solution-focused therapy focuses on the solution that the client wants, not the problem. And I love that too. Um, we're not necessarily ignoring a problem, but we're focusing on the solution. And then the problem is just going to be one of those obstacles that, that we're going to work, we're going to overcome that, that might get in the way. Brief solution focused therapy focuses on what can be done, not what cannot be changed. And that's one of the hard things. I think a lot of times we are so now programmed to say, well, I can't do that because of this, or I can't do that because of this. But brief solution focused therapy says what can be done. Um, if you are telling yourself, okay, I, oh, I can never live by the beach. It's too expensive there. Okay. Oh, well, we're not worried. We're not working on what can't be changed right now. What can you do? So is it, do you need to start getting out of debt? 
Um, well, my husband controls the finances. Okay. Do, or is that a difficult conversation to have? Then do we need to start working on how do you have that conversation about finances? How do you have that conversation about, you know, do you want to um, get a job as well? Do you want to, I mean, whatever that is, not the what cannot be changed, but what can be done. And it can be scary at times too. Um, brief solution focused therapy is about the here and now, uh, not necessarily what happened in the past. So that's the part where you know, it, it can be difficult because at times maybe the reason why somebody doesn't want to confront somebody about finances or, or those type, type of things are because of some instances that have gone on in the past that might be difficult to talk to a spouse or there might be some insecurities there that lead you to not feel like confident enough to go after some of these goals. So and, and that's why I'm not saying that's why I abandoned brief solution solution focused therapy. I still use elements of it in my practice today, but uh, but I understand that there's sometimes more than just, well, why don't you do this? Um, brief solution focused therapy is about what is possible and then whatever works, uh, whatever you need to do to get it done. Brief solution focused therapy, in my opinion, has led to a lot of outside of the box thinking in therapy, which I absolutely love because it believes that the current solutions are the problem. Um, because right now people feel kind of trapped or like they're, this is the only thing that they can do with their life. So doing more of the same is, it's not working. You know, the old Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? That change, what we're going to start working toward is that any type of change is success. So the therapist's job is to identify what can be changed and then to change it. So the key to success in brief solution focused therapy or, or accessing this miracle question is knowing what you want as the client. So the miracle question lets the client focus on their own solutions and then come up with exactly what they want, not what the therapist wants or not what their spouse wants or not what their parents want. Um, but it's what they want. That's again, this is one of those things. What I love about therapy is letting the client focus on their own solution. Sometimes that's why it is so important to build rapport with a good therapist. And then uh, I'm doing it right now where I, I always uh, do this little circle in my finger and say, safety of the room. I used to feel like that was a pretty cheesy thing to say. But in the safety of the room, we can start to, to explore that. What is that thing that you want to do? Um, what do you want out of your life? Do you want to be more closely connected with your spouse or your children or at your job? Or do you want to be, uh, I mean, I've, I've watched people who have said, I am passionate about my community or I am passionate about my environment, but they feel like they can't, they can't express that or they can't follow those dreams or passions because they worry about what other people think about them. So, and a lot of times when asked, most people can't answer this miracle question, except in really, really general terms, because they've been so busy in their lives going over their past and just kind of how bad things are right now that honestly, I think a lot of us kind of lose sight of what that ideal vision would look like or that ideal future would look like. They don't really even have a clear idea of what success would mean. Um, it's hard to visualize success because maybe when they were a kid, success meant, you know, being a, uh, a professional athlete or an actor or an actress, that sort of thing, or just being fabulously wealthy. But now that they have relationships and kids and bills and jobs, um, they know that, okay, maybe that's not exactly the the success or happiness that I thought that, uh, that I wanted. Um, you know, now, now I know that I would rather have a more, uh, a better marriage or I would want to be a better parent. So the miracle question kind of forces you to think about exactly what you want from life. Um, because until you really know what you want, until you really have a clear idea, a lot of us feel like we're kind of just drifting through life. And, and I want to tell you that there is hope. Uh, there really is. Um, there's a lot of, there, there is, there is hope out there. There are people that change. There are people that change all throughout their lives. And so part of beginning to know how to change or what to change is just starting to, to trust someone, trust yourself 
with starting to explore, okay, in a perfect world or in, in this, it, you know, if I woke up and this miracle had occurred, what would that look like in my life? So, so maybe let me leave that with you there today. Um, self-discipline, you know, first of all, the concept of self-discipline is, is even more important than our, than perhaps our IQ. And so we need to start developing those habits now, those tiny little small habits that uh, have us starting to feel like we're getting a little more traction in our lives, that we're starting to be able to accomplish or work towards some of the goals that we've maybe had. But then what, what the bigger part of that then is, what are those goals? I mean, have we kind of suppressed those goals because we've kind of felt like we're just drifting along in life or because we feel like we can't, uh, we'll never have that. I'm going to be living, you know, by the ocean um, kind of thing. So, so, you know, my challenge is to start to work on that, those areas of self-discipline, those areas of self-mastery. And uh, got another podcast plan with a very exciting guest to talk a little bit more about those concepts. And then also just to think in terms of your own miracle question. If you were to wake up tomorrow and everything that you ever wanted, everything good that you could have imagined for yourself had happened, and your life was like where you wanted it to be, what would that look like? And then let's just start thinking about outside of the box ideas. And again, it takes a little bit of time. Hard to answer the miracle question right away. Um, because if, if you, you know, I had a woman one time to say, yeah, nobody would be there again, my spouse, kids, nobody would be there. And, and I understand, and I'm going to empathize with that. But before we, before we do that, how about we start looking at, Hey, remember there's some ways to, to improve your relationship. There's some ways to become a better parent and maybe we can explore those as well. Uh, so I want to thank you for taking the time to be here with me today on the virtual couch for this very brief episode and save the business for the end. If you can stop by bloomforwomen.com. And uh, if you have been through any type of betrayal trauma, whether that's uh, through an emotional affair, a physical affair, if you have found out that your partner uh, maybe has had a uh, pornography addiction or, or has um, compulsive sexual behavior, look at bloomforwomen.com and use the coupon code virtualcouch, all one word. And there you'll have uh, access to all of the evidence-based programs and a community of support that has just done some amazing things for a lot of women that I have worked with. And I'm just grateful for the folks at bloomforwomen.com for creating that program. And again, I'm always a big fan of Eli's Extracts, E-L-I-S-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S.com. Use coupon code VIRTUALCOUCH for 25% off all of their um, all-natural organic shave creams for legs, chests, heads, faces, you name it. Um, scented with essential oils, the healing properties of essential oils. Thank you to the folks at Eli's Ext- Extracts. And just having some really fun uh, feedback from um, the Captain Money Pants app. So if you haven't uh, listened to the last couple of episodes I've done, um, I've done a longer read about the Captain Money Pants app there. But go to CaptainMoneyPants.com or look at the look for the Captain Money Pants app on the App Store wherever you get your applications for your phone. Uh, thanks again, and I will leave you today, as always, going out with, and I really mean it this time, uh, the words from the uh, the wonderful, the talented Aurora Florence. It's wonderful, as in life is wonderful. So uh, go embrace it, and we'll see you next time on The Virtual Couch. Compressed emotions flying past Our heads and out the other end The pressures of the daily grind It's wonderful Elastic waste and rubber ghost I'm floating past the midnight hour They push aside the things that matter most
You. Mm-hmm. 